This time on Watchers of Tomorrow, Riker washes some feet. show that just goes to prove I cannot do an Irish accent and I'm not going to try. My name is Gap and I'm joined as always by my friend and co-host Dr. Izix. Hi! And this week we have the comedy episode that uh, deals with abortion rights. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's a, uh, there's a lot going on here, but also a lot that's like head scratching at the same time. Yeah, it's a very weird one. Mm-hmm. It's it's up the long ladder, which I, th- I think is just a DNA reference or something. Yes. <laughs> or, yeah, I would assume so. Um, which has very very little to do with the bulk of the episode because gotta, the yeah <laughs> the the bulk of the episode is a um, Irish immigrant fair. Mm-hmm. Like it's like a ren fair, but if everyone was an Irish stereotype, yes, uh, from a, uh, I guess a seventeen hundreds, eighteen hundreds sort of era. Uh, you know, we're going to be drinking a lot. We're going to be loud and boisterous. The the women are going to be, you know, stern and strict, and uh, there's going to be animals and straw just everywhere. And yeah, yeah, I guess I, I, it's not pinned down particularly i guess i'd say they're probably going for sort of like a you know late 1800s vibe maybe early 1900s something in that that era yeah it's something recognizable but still old timey so this um this confusing muddle of a of a program was written by melina snodgrass who was working as a story editor for seasons two and three so we're gonna be seeing her pop up a bit uh, previously wrote Measure of a Man and Pen Pals. Yeah, so uh, a, a fantastic episode and a, a you know, an all right episode where they actually uh, did some thinking about some of the uh, stuffs at play. And then this one. Yeah, this this thing. Yep. In- interesting. Yep. yep. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, we've got several guest stars. I'm not going into everyone. There's so many people, but... Uh, mm-hmm. Let's keep the major ones. So we have Barry Ingram, who's playing... Danny O'Daly. Odell. Odell, there we go. That's right. Danny, Danilo Odell. Daniel, yeah. I can't tell yeah, if I got something right. I hate reading these names. <laughs> I, I think it's supposed to be effectively pronounced Danny, but, you know, it's, yeah. you know, old-timey Irish, so you got to, you know, you know, do the whole, uh, you know, Danny you know, O'Daly. spelling. Yeah, whatever it is. Anyway, he was an English actor. <laughs> that That's a good start right there. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, appeared in many TV shows and movies in England and America. Um, was in a multitude of stage shows. Uh, things that we might have heard of as he was a character in Doctor Who and the Daleks. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the voice of Basil in The Great Mouse Detective, which is one of my favorite Disney cartoons. Oh, yeah. And um, he was in an episode of The Avengers, the 1960s comedy, not the Disney movie. Yes. Uh, say it's fully a comedy might be a, a a little bit of a misnomer, but yes. I can spy stuff. It a it's a spy comedy. It's it's like, <laughs> it's a '60s spy comedy. It's making fun of the '60s era spy genre. Oh, true. <laughs> it is a spy comedy satire. Yes, satire. I'd, I'd say is maybe more on the nose. But yes. <laughs> like, don't mess with me. I had 
for M appeal season of this on DVD. Uh, <laughs> Very well. <laughs> All about your uh, expertise. <laughs> I went back and watched this episode because it was what I remembered. So it was also on uh, Murder, She Wrote and Matlock for a bit. <laughs> you know, the, the usual fare. <laughs> Uh, especially when uh, actors come to America uh, and, you know, they, they're character actors. So <laughs> now yeah. I would also point out that Doctor Who and the Daleks is not actually an episode or adventure of Doctor Who. It's a standalone movie starring Peter Cushing that is sort of an adaptation of uh, the, uh, the uh, you know, a Doctor Who adventure, but with different characters, sort of. Yeah. Well, that's fine. Because Doctor <laughs> Who can't be normal for 10 Nope. So it's not canonical with normal Doctor Who. So <laughs> for whatever ca- canon counts there. I'm, I'm not complaining. I'm just waiting for the new gay season to start. Excellent. And next we've got Rosalind Lander playing Brenda Odell. She has been in a variety of uh, TV and film character roles. Uh, she's been acting since the age of nine Starting in the horror film, The Devil Rides Out. Dang it, Devil. You left to go get a pack of cigarettes, then you never returned. Um, this was one of her earlier, like, uh, American, like, main roles in, in like, mainstream TV. Uh, hmm. She was later on Matlock and um, something called Hunter, as well as doing a bunch of voice acting for Disney. Yeah, well, like, uh, on Tasmania and The Incredibles and uh, Kingdom Hearts 2. Yeah. So some stuff. She's around. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I'd also uh, like to uh, point out uh, Hammer House of Horror. She was in one episode, and Hammer Horror is like a whole thing. Yes. Yeah. It's, a, it's it's I've heard. I don't know the whole history, but yeah, it's a whole bloody thing. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, Zed cars. Remember Zed that? Cars. Uh, Z cars. That sounds familiar, but no. <laughs> Used to come up a lot in uh, TOS. <laughs> no. Okay. Also, like. Is 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 that show British, or did you suddenly become Canadian? Well, I, I've heard uh, the uh, pronunciation of it's supposed to be Zed uh, at one point, so I'm just going to make use of. Okay. And finally, for our purposes, even though there's a lot more people in these episodes, um, John DeVeers is playing Wilson slash Victor Granger. It's like twins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, basically. it's a little more... Yeah, it's a little more complicated than that. For now, it's twins, <laughs> to avoid spoilers. As far as you're concerned, they're twins. Maybe they're actually time-displaced transporter clones. There we go. <laughs> uh, he's been in a lot of TV shows and movies, such as Miami Vice, The Equalizer, The First Deadly Sin, and City of Hope, among many, many other things. It's hard to list people once we get people who were successful, because it's just like pages and pages and pages of shit. <laughs> In the heat of the night, me and Veronica, uh, now and again. Yeah, I've heard of none of those. <laughs> okay, we get to go into comedy, sort of, until it's dark, and then it's comedic again. Yes, because that's how we roll sometimes, I guess. So, Worf's <laughs> not looking so hot, but never mind. <laughs> never mind that, he's just there. Um, Picard has something Riker needs to hear. He plays an old repeating pattern that Riker immediately IDs as an SOS, a very old one used sometime in the early 2100s. So, uh, the 2100s, so uh, post-warp, but like warp one and two sort of era. Um, So uh, they they might have had some connection with Zephyrin Cochran. Wait, are we going to find out whatever happened to him? Maybe. I mean, TOS already knows what happened to him. Shh. 
they accidentally kidnapped his grandfather or something you know uh however this sector of space has no recorded human colonies Hmm. because that's the kind of era we're in where we have lost human civilizations out in the ether somewhere this is something that star trek hard line stopped doing and Mm -hmm. i kind of regret it because it means that there is literally no history between you know the early 2000s and the 2400s yes (laughs) like that that entire 400 years of history is gone Nothing happened. Well, that just means they can uh, mine it for, uh, you know, uh, time travel episodes and uh, a continuation of Enterprise someday. Yeah, they, they, they used to do stuff like this. They used to have like, oh, the, the weird early Romulan war that makes no sense because we didn't even have sensors on our rocket ships or whatever Flash Gordon bullshit we were doing back then. <laughs> and the this early Earth colonizing period where the colony ships were going out, but no one was even keeping track of where they went and no one cared. Yep. <laughs> Which, you know, when we do get to Enterprise, uh, that kind of fits with the vibe they kind of went with for some things there, but not others. But anyway. <laughs> so they come back to the bridge after listening to this thing, and they find Worf passed out on the floor. Not again. Uh, did he get shocked by blue lightning, or is this something new? Apparently, when he gets taken into Pulaski for diagnosis, he has Rapkinor, which is a early childhood illness, kind of like Klingon measles. Hmm. Well then, uh, I guess uh, it's good that he has a doctor who knows what it is, I guess. Yeah, so, so what's the point? <laughs> she tells the captain that he was just fasting to, for, you know, uh, religious reasons in order to spare him the embarrassment of having chicken pox. Ah. Wait, wait a moment. Worf, you're really upset about people finding out about this when you're surrounded by mostly humans who have no idea what that is and probably wouldn't care. Yeah. Not only would humans probably have no idea what this is, I'm sure if this being a Klingon, like minor Klingon illness, if it was capable of crossing over into humans, it would kill them immediately. Yes. <laughs> Thankfully, Klingons have pink blood, except all the other times they don't. So, you know, different biology, I guess. So with that, Data heads to the ready room. Um, He has a way to find the lost ship, because around the time of early Earth history, records were sort of spotty at best, you know. Uh, There was a war on and all that. Yes. (laughs) They all got lost in the war. (laughs) But someone must have loaded supplies onto the ship, so they found a shipping manifest. Huh. They find a ship that was loaded with a wide array of computer and scientific equipment, but also some cows, chickens, and spinning wheels. Hmm. So I guess we're uh, doing a, uh, like a Baku sort of thing, where everything looks like it's uh, super uh, low-tech on the surface, but we're secretly going to have a computer running our uh, civilization under under the hood. Yeah, and it's going to have an evil computer down there doing something. <laughs> Too bad Kirk is long gone, because uh, otherwise we'd you know, call him up to talk to death. So Worf shows up in sickbay again. Um, he is here to thank Pulaski for her kindness to his honor, etc., with the Klingon tea ceremony. Um, she knows what to do, because she somehow knows Klingon rituals. And yeah. she arranges some flowers and stones in cups. Um Worf tells her that humans can't drink the tea, you know, because it's poisonous. Um, but she gets an antidote so she can drink it, and hmm. that's it. Their arc is is over, and we don't have to worry about them anymore. Yeah, well, I guess this might be, uh, you know, you know, a, a part of a, a theme because, 
you know, uh, Pulaski then asks Worf to quote her some uh, some love poetry. And as we've already established, that's part of the, the mating rituals for Klingons. So obviously they hooked up. Yeah, well, we didn't see her throw anything. Oh, true. Uh, but that, yeah, they, they cut before that part because it's too hot for TV. So they arrive at the SOS, which is a system that's erupting in solar flares and are threatening the inhabited planet. Solar flares? Captain, do you know what that means? That the radios aren't working and we're going to get a lot of static on TV? Yeah, which, you know, given what we find out about this colony, makes no sense. But anyway. Why? Because they're sending out a radio signal with an SOS on it? <laughs> well, there's that, but also they don't really seem like the folks to care about their radio signals. <laughs> but, like, the solar flares are so big they're going to, like, threaten the planet somehow. Oh, uh, then the uh, planet's ionosphere, uh, I guess, is going to... You know, stop it because that's what ionospheres get generated and tend to do. Yeah, it's probably more like a coronal mass ejection, more so than a solar flare. But, but even so, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, if you're really, if it's really going to be a danger to the planet, you know, uh, you know, it's either going to be a massive solar flare, aka this is more of the sun is partially exploding, uh, or it's going to be a uh, a thing where your planet doesn't have a magnetosphere to protect it. So. Damn, yeah. I knew we should have found a planet with an ionosphere. <laughs> no, no, the ionosphere gets generated by the uh, solar radiation. The magnetosphere, you need a big iron core for that. Ah, well, see, they just were too worried about their spinning wheels. And... Oh, yes, and so they didn't have uh, the forethought to uh, scan for iron. So, anyway. uh, <laughs> Troy turns, points out that suddenly beaming down to an isolated colony without warning could be a problem so uh Riker beams down to the coordinates to like just talk to people I guess mm -hmm. to begin the, to coordinate the evacuation so like it's only one dude to talk to them I guess yeah. like seems like it's a similar problem really yes. <laughs> yeah it's like these might be unsophisticated people uh Riker you you can talk to uh, uh people wait, wait that's what you did the previous episode at um, never mind. So, uh, Riker says they only need to evacuate about 200 people, which the, what happened? <laughs> how did you maintain, how did you maintain any human population for almost 400 years when you've wound up with a population of 200 at the end of it? Well, maybe, uh, they recently had a plague. <laughs> yeah, like, these guys not having a weird population bottleneck doesn't make any sense. Later we have some other stuff that makes a little more sense, but these guys yeah. with this does like they had a mass tragedy that we never hear about. Yes, <laughs> uh, it's like oh yes, you know everyone just uh, started dying about a hundred years ago, and uh, we were down to like fifteen people, and then uh, well we're up to two hundred again. Hooray! <laughs> yeah, this giant said something about the eugenics wars just showed up. Suddenly there was a plague. I don't know what happened. Yeah, yeah, there's there something about plant people, but then he left, and uh, oh, kind of good with that because he kept wearing these short skirt things, and it was getting really awkward since he's a giant. And, you know, yeah, he's going like full kilt, and we don't chuck with kilts, being Irish. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so they're having some totally <laughs> arguments about the evacuation. Uh, Picard tells them to just work it out later because they need to leave. So O'Brien beams up the first group complete with hay and livestock well then um so wait why the hay yeah that one sometimes they beam up stuff that's on the ground and sometimes they don't i, I guess they couldn't look uh, couldn't lock on to the individual life forms and just like yeah just beam up, up everything in this general vicinity just make sure we get the people entirely and we'll be fine 
I guess. So <laughs> Picard comes to see this literal menagerie he's got on his ship now, and the leader of the colonists, uh, Danny, explains that they need their animals. You know, they can't just leave them there to die in the solar flares. Mm-hmm. So they get them all transmitted directly to a cargo bay. Um, also, he tries to interest Picard in marrying his daughter. Well, um, it's a little soon for anything like that. Uh, also, Picard's kind of busy running the ship right now, so yeah. maybe we'll t- talk Also, later. of course, our introduction is when they see O'Brien and go, Ah, I knew an Irishman would be in charge. <laughs> and uh, Cole Meany's like, ah, ah, <laughs> <laughs> This sucks. <laughs> so they complete the evacuation. Um, but things aren't settled because there's, like, a fire in the cargo bay. <laughs> uh, they arrive to find that someone started a cooking fire, and um, they're met by Danny's daughter, Brenda. Riker is very taken. Yeah, yeah well, she's, uh, you know, uh, quite attractive, uh, has a fiery, uh, you know, vibe to her, uh, and uh, glorious red hair, almost as glorious as mine. Uh, he ha- decides that he's going to hang around and help by which he means stare. Yep. Yeah. Um, so the whole thing is they tried to start a fire. The ship like created a force field to put the fire out, and mm-hmm. um, they're all mad about it because the ship started shooting <laughs> lightning at them. <laughs> yeah, it was just a force field, guys. You know, it's like you guys haven't you know experienced a force field before. Wait a moment. Yeah, they don't have a good. <laughs> there wasn't a good way to work it in. But they're like, oh well, it, it puts out the fire. Like, what if what if someone were caught in it? So you would be standing in the fire. Yes, <laughs> and you know you'd both be on fire for a little while, and then you would suffocate because the you know the oxygen would run out. So uh, you know, after Riker's been staring for a bit, uh, Brenda asks if he knows where she can wash her feet, which by which she means let's go to your quarters and fuck. Yes. So, so uh, they do that. <laughs> And uh, Danny asks Picard if they've heard anything about the other colony. What other colony? Yeah. Nobody's told me about a second colony. There's also a fun bit where uh, Worf gives all of them some Klingon whiskey. Uh, it doesn't further mm-hmm. the plot at all, but it's funny. Yes. Uh, uh, and uh, it's probably good that uh, Worf's feeling better, because otherwise you wouldn't be able to do this. Yeah. And, and that's why the earlier parts were uh, important to the plot. There we go. So now that they know there was another colony, they were able to find a nearby habitable planet. And when they arrive, the colony is surprised because they've been out of touch for so long that they assumed Earth had just sort of, you know, destroyed itself at some mm. point. Yeah, those Vulcans came by and just, just were so tired of our crap that they just murdered everyone. That's That was about to happen at some point, right? So we saw a giant sphere fly by in your general direction, I don't know, a couple <sighs> hundred years ago. And it, it seemed pretty nasty and like death star laser beam stuff going on so we just kind of assumed that was such a stupid plot line anyway (laughs) uh they also need to talk about something important so everyone should beam down uh this is where all the computers and stuff went well i guess we got a technological colony a a place of contrast compared to the uh the farming colony yeah we had one colony that decided to be egalitarian and give up technology and one colony that embraced technology you know the uh I guess this is one of the earlier examples of the uh, uh, let's all go back to uh, primitive ways because in Star Trek, we uh, don't like technology sometimes. You know, sort of like uh, the, this way to Eden, but, you know, more hardcore. Yeah, there's always like some sort of little, there's always going to be some sort of little fringy religious group going, I want to stop using technology. Well, uh, more power to you. Um, bye. 
but like a few years on this is a few generations on and no one gives a damn like, yeah a spaceship cool yeah i guess we've heard of these things uh no one in our you know current generation has seen them or know what they're really yeah. about other than you know it's what brought us here so well, well it's kind of interesting <laughs> they maintained enough of their historical teachings to like mm -hmm. know what most of this technology is even if they don't understand how it works they're not suddenly like oh my god aliens <laughs> but they didn't maintain the and we don't like technology we're egalitarian <laughs> we we go off and farm that's yeah. because technology is bad well maybe at some point like a, a generation or two on they just kind of decided wow being you know uh you know farmers like this with kind of terrible tools it kind of sucks sometime around the second plague they had the gee i wish we'd kept some of that medicine around yeah because <laughs> you know the colony just keeps you know uh dying out randomly so uh you know be nice not to be you know but playing uh you know the lottery with our lives every few uh, decades here so yeah. so granger welcomes them to mariposa the technologically advanced colony uh mm -hmm. he'll take them to see a guy who looks just like him also there's a lot of twins hanging around yes, or triplets or quadruplets so when they get to see the prime minister Pulaski just flat out asks how their entire population is cloned oh well, well we got machines and computers and medical stuff so you know we just do it yeah. turns out their ship had a disaster <laughs> when they were landing so they only had five survivors like three men mm. and two women which was not enough for a healthy breeding population yeah, you, you can sort of make some allowances if you like you know everyone has you know uh, some number of kids with uh you know you know each you know you know, you know pairing here that's possible but you know, that still leaves some genetic uh, bottlenecks you need to worry about yeah you gotta have a bit of a problem yeah. though i guess it does beg the question that all right so you guys crash landed on this planet and then proceeded not to have any kids before going the full cloning route yeah well maybe they didn't like each other hmm. there were only two so, women left and they're like they were the really annoying ones hmm. you know like uh, this one you know watches uh too much reality tv and likes to like talk our ears off about it and the three men were not taking care of themselves and, and you know the guys like yeah i'm going to like eat my toenail clippings to get rid of them because that makes sense because uh, <laughs> otherwise someone will use them to clone me yes <laughs> can't leave them lying around you know and uh and you know the other guy was like i your body odor is a way of life man uh unless i'm you know using my uh, future version of axe body spray or something i guess so they used all the science and stuff they brought with them to start cloning people so they wouldn't have this giant population bottleneck um of course this wouldn't fix your population bottleneck so they you know wouldn't have kids then because it would still be the same pool of genetics just yeah more of you yes. <laughs> now this story doesn't really make sense to me because it does seem like they got prepared for this possibility you know no they just had general science don't you just bring general science stuff <laughs> with you that you can set up to do whichever kind of science yeah, this is star trek they could do that i guess <laughs> yeah so uh, pulaski wants to know how they fixed replicative fading um they hmm. didn't that well, is, then, when uh, you make a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy, it degrades. Well, maybe you guys should have, you know, maintained some uh, cell cultures of the originals then. Yeah, given how few cells they need, you could have just kept the original DNA. <laughs> that should <laughs> have kept you, you for a while. <laughs> or did, with all your uh, crazy science machinery, you forgot to have a fridge. Yeah. <laughs> 
So now they've got a big problem. You know, they need fresh DNA. Everyone on the ship is completely against being cloned. And we get that because, yeah, because there's only a, f you know, basically Riker saying, I don't like this. And that's yeah, representing everyone. Yeah. It's like one Riker is unique. Two Rikers, don't ask me about that. I'm, we're not going to deal with it later. Yes. <laughs> Grange is disappointed, but asks if they can at least help them repair their equipment while they're here. Uh, Pulaski, Riker, and Joy head down where Pulaski and Riker are knocked out and harvested. Um, Jordy's just lied to. They don't want him because, you know, they're also ableists. Dang it, guys. You guys were, like, doing the the, the, the the kind of cool, like, we're all just a, you know, a big happy family of clones. But then you had to be ableist. See, this is, this is how you know that it's okay that we don't like them. We don't yes. have to engage with their plight or or way of thinking because they don't want to clone the blind black guy which mm -hmm. means that they're basically nazis and anything we do is fine yes <laughs> um jordi later asks the two where they were and that's when they realize they have a gap in their memory you see this seems like a bad plan now, uh, maybe we should have like sent down a security uh detail you know just they, they can't tell the difference between you know yellow shirts for uh engineering yellow shirts for security you know yeah also, uh, Jordy can tell when people are lying because it changes their skin conductivity and heart rate, etc. So he's got that like superpower that like Daredevil has. Well, uh, I guess this will uh, be coming up uh, plenty of times in the future, especially when they're playing poker. Yeah, is yeah, I know. <laughs> Wouldn't that be? Uh... Also, at some point, somebody mentions that he can see through the cards, which is probably true. Yes. <laughs> Just, you know, I'm going to ignore all this information which is coming in for me and uh, play fair. So they go but back to the planet where they find half-completed clones. They vaporize them immediately. Uh, Granger's a bit angry. Riker thinks it's bodily autonomy, dude. So, well, yeah, sort sort maybe. Mm, got some problems here. I think uh, Odo would have some things to say about this because... Uh, you know, in an early episode of DS9, he explicitly says, killing a, your own clone is still murder. Mm -hmm. uh, Plasky thinks it's all moot anyway, because even with more DNA and 15 or so generations, they'll be right back where they started. You know, just, you know, only Pulaski and Riker as the uh, continuation of their civilization. Mm -hmm. uh, so, of course, she has an idea. They should bring the colonies back together. They can start again they can they can get together and just you know start fucking yeah because uh the uh, civilization that has uh, made it a point not to have kids because they're all clones and you know they run into uh you know problems in the long run there uh you know they, they're totally going to be down for uh you know normal biological sex mm -hmm. also um Granger's being a bit of a dick about it. He's like, you want us, the superior technological people, to be around them, the smelly Irish? Well, we already know he's a bad guy, but, you know, this is getting a bit much here at this yeah. point. Uh, but he's forced to agree out of desperation. Also, they announced that monogamy will no longer be possible because they're just too few people, which again begs the question, what happened to the rest of the other colony? Yeah. <laughs> and then they go, oh no, not polygamy. I certainly couldn't have six wives. <laughs> and uh this is going to be a we're going to be like those uh, denobulans uh, uh folks uh, where you know everyone has like you know uh, you know three to seventeen thousand mates and then you know it's ever just sort of like a big network i mean the, the given the reactions that they all have it makes me think monogamy may not have been what they were doing to begin with true it's like oh this sounds cool <laughs> no one's like oh well what did this? Mm -hmm. they're like mm -hmm. yes multiple partners you say <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, there's just so much we don't know about these cultures that, you know, you know we could sort of fill in the lines as we go. <laughs> they uh, tell Brenda that she needs to go lead and, and like be a strong leader for everybody. And she just immediately runs off and starts picking out husbands. Like, well, um, um, all right. Um, so uh, you're saying that there's, uh, you know, the three guy clothes. Uh, so do I pick one of each or, you know, if I have a favorite? Uh, yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Say that guy's the head of the colony, do you? Yeah. Do I pick <laughs> one of each guy or do I get a little freaky with it? Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it gets back to that, you know, if you and a duplicate of yourself got together, dot, <laughs> dot, dot. <laughs> I mean, if, if you did, if you didn't like spread the clones around, you'd wind up with the same uh, genetic diversity problem that you were trying mm -hmm. to avoid in the first place, though. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you have certain, I guess, rules or something like this and, you know, just kind of make it work out. But, you know, it's also... Uh, you know, some questions about you know, diversity of uh, age groups and things like that. You know, you know, is there, are you going to be like matched with, you know, someone of your, your appropriate age here? Or is it just going to be whoever's available? How uh, do you count what, that for the clones since they yeah. obviously are doing adult cloning? Yes. <laughs> this person could be like three years old and you're like, this person looks like an adult. And they'll be really awkward because they're like, I'm still learning to read. And you're like, what? the hell no i this is not acceptable guys <laughs> so yeah there's gonna be a lot of awkwardness uh assuming this uh, plan works out but you know what i think is gonna happen i think the the mariposa colony uh clones uh, are gonna be all like all right so the star starships left um yeah everyone uh go take a nap uh we're gonna be um doing some medical scans on you and oh hey we got a whole bunch of new clones that's cool yeah now we don't yeah. have to deal with all of your animals yes and uh you guys could go live on that continent uh while we uh you know just keep doing what we've been doing already oh um the the little like production notes on this are very weird because apparently the original intention of this episode was that it would be a commentary on immigration yeah uh <laughs> yeah you know it's like you know new groups moving in uh you know you know can revitalize a uh an area that's stagnating and you know so it's you know healthy for the community um but given how much else we got attached to this that message is completely lost it's not even there yeah. <laughs> it's like you, you need to be careful about building your narratives to uh not let the uh, the points drift away from you to uh to be lost amongst everything else you're including yeah you've got about one line where Cloney McCloneface goes, oh, them. And they go like, it's that or die. He's like, we'll find that. <laughs> and that's the extent of our intended message. <laughs> yeah, that's that's it. This is the entire thing. <laughs> also, the, the Irish is a little bit odd. Mm -hmm. Like, why are they so heavily coded Irish? Well, I guess if all the people that got on the ship originally were Irish, I guess... Which, you know, given that, you know, this is a starship from the planet Earth is, you know, not necessarily a thing, given the future. <laughs> well, it's it's definitely, like, a th it works with the, like, immigrant narrative, sort of. Mm -hmm. But, like, anti-Irish sentiment in America was pretty well and done by the late yes. 1980s. Yeah, it's, 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 it's gone from the... Uh, you know, oh yeah, that used to be a thing to, 
I guess, you know, oh, it used to be a thing, and thus we can make fun of it because no one actually goes with it anymore. Yeah, but it's also very American-centered and a little bit tone-deaf because this was released in 1989, Mm -hmm. which is 10 years before the Good Friday Agreement brought an end to the Irish separatist hostility. Like, the Irish Civil War was still in its weird little we're all doing terrorism to each other state. Ireland, the country, was, you know, well independent, but uh, Northern Ireland was, uh, you know, still in a bit of a a troubled state, you could say. Yeah, Northern Ireland, the North-South Irish divide was only, like, codified in, like, the, around the 1920s. So, within, like, living memory for people at this point. Yes. uh, And... It's it's a bit weird to be doing this like weird Irish stereotyping. Yeah, uh, they, yeah. you you aren't mentioning anything. Like these people might have come from Ireland, and like you don't have any mention of this stuff. And given how much Star Trek thinks the Cold War would still be going on for, in four hundred years, <laughs> uh, it's interesting that there's nothing about it so, at all. Well, well I guess uh, there's a, a certain level of you know Americans not knowing things outside of America going on here too. Uh, you know, the, uh, it's like, yeah, if you're in the UK, like some of our actors are from, uh, <laughs> you'd, uh, might have some, uh, some thoughts on that. And, uh, but you know, you're not writing the script, uh, Linda Strodgrass is, so, you know, you're the guest star, so wow. you don't get a whole lot of input there. You can't even have one line of like, you know, after the Irish reunification of 2150. <laughs> no, it's a uh, 2024, uh. We, we find that in a, in a later episode. <laughs> yeah, the uh, so should we uh, talk a little bit about uh, Ireland uh, in general, or uh, should we focus on the cloning here at this point? <laughs> well, we've got to get both at some point. I think the, so. the like it's an odd one because the anti-Irish stereotyping is very much a anti-Irish and American sentiment, which was very popular mm-hmm. in the like early 1900s into the 1940s. Uh, with, yeah, and before then too, yeah. uh, you know, the big Irish immigration wave, uh, you know, the 1840s uh, and 50s there, you know, do that whole, you know, potato famine sort of stuff going on. Oh yeah, the Irish so, one goes back really far, that's true. <laughs> and so you get, you get to say, you know, it's like, oh, there's a bunch of uh, new people who showed up our community, and because they've not fully integrated and uh, become accepted by us already, that means that we can't trust them, and we must... Uh, you know, you know uh, stand opposed to them and they're taking over our city and their foreign ways and thus we have to have stereotypes so we can mm-hmm. because uh the the scotland and ireland were two of the first places that the british took over really early on in their colonial history like it's very easy for us to think of them all as the same place now then <laughs> there's different accents uh different cultures you know uh ireland is uh the one with the uh the, the leprechauns in Scotland's the one with all the kilts and bagpipes. And, yeah. And and that's how you know that they're different due to these specific stereotype items. And even the big waves <laughs> of Irish immigration coming in from the poverty and famine was like essentially orchestrated by the British. Yep. <laughs> to to like they had they had relief. There was there was a potato blight, but the the English would have been able to give them food relief they just chose not to yes <laughs> in a particularly racist and thought out way yes, uh, you know we can uh, have uh, lots of uh, alternative uh, you know uh, you know food stuff sent there to uh, cover the uh, 
the debt in uh, the uh, potato uh, production there while we, you know, stop trying to extract all the potatoes that aren't blighted in the meantime so that they could eat. That would be good, right? Oh, we're not really going to do that uh, other than some like half-assed sort of measures there. And you can see you can see the seeds of an idea in this that you are using Irish people coded to be of the sort of, you know, mid to late 1800s era when that wave of Irish immigration would have been happening in the US and you have the white cloning race who like is if if you're going to go with like national purity i guess you can't get a much better metaphor than people who literally clone themselves yes it's like there is only one uh, you know set of us and thus that will be how it is forever because we are already perfect uh, go away yeah but uh, you needed more i don't know anything and literally anything other than all of the Irish people being a stereotype comic relief. Even this, I didn't realize. Like up the long ladder is apparently not a uh, not a DNA reference. Yes, uh, it, it is a. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it might double, but um, you know, uh, up the long ladder and down the short rope. Uh, so uh, yeah, it's all about being hanged, apparently. Yes. <laughs> so. Uh, so which one of us is being hanged here, Gabwin? But a specifically anti-Protestant rhyme. Mm-hmm. Which is the entire thing that sparked the, you know, Irish Civil War. So, uh, <laughs> shall, shall we uh, do a, a quick uh, history of Ireland? Yeah, we can do All a right. quick, so, uh, quick, quick rundown. Wh- once upon a time, there was a land called Ireland. And uh, Ireland uh, eventually got uh, conquered by some British folks, uh... And then they're like, we don't really like being conquered by you. Also, you guys are like becoming Protestant and we kind of like being Catholic here. So we're going to be like really upset about this like all the time for now. So please leave us. And yeah. And Britain's like, no, you're still under our thumb. Uh, You're basically our farming colony next door. So uh, yeah, deal with it. Uh, And, you know, we're going to have, you know, uh, different kings. We're going to have our own little... uh, glorious revolution we're gonna have all sorts of other things going on here and you know you're gonna occasionally have some uprisings but eventually around that whole world war one thing we'll finally let you go uh and become independent and ireland's like hooray wait what why'd you take that big chunk out of our northern bit there come on guys uh and so you know ireland proper was uh you know became independent uh and uh but northern ireland was still part of the uk and still is um, and, uh, you know, cause that's where the, uh, you know, the, there are a lot of the Protestant colonizers, uh, from, uh, from England had settled, set up shop. And so they're like, well, yeah, we're going to keep this because that's where all our people are. And they're like, well, there's also a lot of Irish people there. In fact, there's a lot of people there that have kind of become Irish because they've been there for so many generations. Thanks to you guys. So, uh, what's the deal? And, uh, so there was a, a bit of things called the troubles where, you know, the, there's a lot of violence between Protestants and Catholics in Northern Ireland. And, uh, you know, eventually that, uh, did get settled down uh, a bit with the, uh, good Friday agreement, which again took place after this, uh, and, uh, sort of leaving us with the current status quo, though, uh, you know, uh, recent history of the British government does put some of the agreement into question. So, yeah. Well, now they have an actual, like, overland border with Brexit. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so Ireland's like, like yeah, the EU's cool. Um, 
yeah. Um, <laughs> what's going on over there, UK? Ireland and Scotland are getting continuously fed up with uh, everything the UK is doing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, separatism might be on the table again. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, things could fall apart there, uh, but you never know. Um, yeah, be before the, the British took over, there was, you know, you know, petty kingdoms and cool stuff like that. And, you know, a lot of interesting culture and sort of Celtic background because the Romans didn't actually get around to conquering it. Uh, and so, you know, some, some cool stuff going on there. And then the English took over and like, we're going to anglicize you guys. And like, oh, man. Yeah, the Romans barely got into Ireland. Mm -hmm. It's like, they, oh, yeah, it's just like more England, but different. -ish. Well, they hit Scotland and then we're like, no, I'm not dealing with these people. <laughs> yeah, they scream a lot and like to hit us like really hard. <laughs> All right, yeah. now we got to talk about cloning and how they got bodily autonomy wrong. Yes, so uh, what is bodily autonomy, Gepwin? Bodily autonomy generally, I'd have to look up a legal definition. But you're generally dealing with the idea that what happens to your own body is your decision. Mm -hmm. So I guess in the uh, the case of this particular episode, the uh, being knocked out and your cells harvested, that would be a bodily autonomy uh, you know, a portion of it, yes? yes. See, they are partially correct, but they're getting the general argument that they're doing overall incorrect. Mm -hmm. Like okay. saying, no, I do not want to give you any of my DNA to be cloned is a very clear indication of your own bodily autonomy. I do not mm -hmm. consent to you doing this. So, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the, the sort of threat uh, hung over the, uh, uh, the, uh, the cloners uh, you know, near the end of the episode of, yeah, we, uh, you know, because you violated our crew, we can, you know, uh, you know, make use of that as a good reason to go and search all your equipment and look for any uh, more cell samples you might have of them. Because, you know, that's effectively stolen property. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you, you stole some of them. Stop that. Yeah, even that. If someone takes your DNA without your permission and then wants to use it for something, you should have the right to get that to get them to stop. Destroy mm -hmm. the DNA. The part where they run into a problem is when they go, it is my execution of bodily autonomy to destroy this clone being. Um, yeah, that's, that's a little more murky because, you know, if this being is now, uh, you know, an independent being that isn't you, it now has its own bodily autonomy not to get shot. Yeah, the, the creation process was a violation of your bodily autonomy. Once the mm -hmm. thing exists as its own entity... It's no longer violating your own bodily autonomy. Indeed. So you don't so, actually have the right to destroy it. This is actually the thing that a lot of the like abortion arguments get kind of mixed up with. Mm -hmm. In this case, the cloning process is happening completely independently of the individuals involved. Indeed. So this clone Just is going external. to like maturate and mature and whatever without any additional like input information fucking with whatever from mm -hmm. Riker. It's just going to happen regardless of what he does. Yes, and uh, yeah, effectively he's going to have no uh, you know lingering responsibilities for it once it's done uh, you know being constructed. Yeah. So, you know, he has doesn't have anything to do with this. It's not going to affect him in any particular way other than the mental idea that it exists. Yes. The, uh, the thing that people get wrong with the bodily autonomy argument as far as your abortion things go, which is this is kind of a very clear parallel, 
is um, the maturation of a baby inside of a human body is a continual test of your own bodily autonomy because something is happening to your body mm -hmm. and whether or not it involves another organism like it's still something that is happening to your body that you should have a, a right Indeed. to control you know you are effectively having someone be uh, you know renting out a part of your your person there and you know if you don't want to be letting them do that then well too bad yeah and there's also you know the whole fact that oh this is actually just a clump of cells at this point mm. But so, that's yeah. the part that doesn't really matter because we get all mixed up in the when is it a viable real human organism that we care about. <laughs> but we don't but, think that way about anything else. Like mm -hmm. if we thought that you needed to violate your own bodily autonomy to keep other people alive, then organ donation would be mandatory. Indeed. It would be wrong to not donate part of your liver to someone because that's not going to kill you. Mm -hmm. You can donate as much of your liver to people as you want. <laughs> so liver donation should be mandatory. Yes. So, uh, you know, someone, uh, you know, has your blood type. So uh, come in and get tested. Oh, it looks like you're a match. So we're going to cut you open and uh, take out a big slab and uh, have a nice day. Yeah. And you can even get into more things like, you know, we, we don't care how much it hurts someone to go through this process. So like you can live with only one kidney. So yeah, you should probably have to give one of those up too. Depending on how much money you have, you probably should give up the other one because we seem to not think that uh, someone dying from things is a legitimate reason to stop. Uh, oh, and uh, you, you're, uh, your uh, work is uh, either, uh, quote, non-essential or, you know, doesn't require you to have, uh, you know, depth perception. So we're going to have you give up one of your corneas. So, uh, you know, get an eye patch. Yeah. How many corneas do you need to stare at a computer and fill out f reports all day anyway? Indeed. Uh, you know, and, uh, Oh hey, uh, you got some uh, you know teeth in there. Uh, someone uh, you know has a lot fewer teeth than you, so maybe it's time to donate a few so they can have some uh, some realistic dentures. And the reason that those all sound like absurd arguments is because we're not framing the other argument correctly, because it also sounds like an absurd argument. Mm -hmm. But in this so case, we're getting into a weird thing because we're very obviously supposed to think that Riker and the others are completely in the right because they were cloned without permission and the without permission part is completely and utterly wrong but mm -hmm. destroying the individual that was created through that process who actually had no say in the matter no consent no they did nothing they didn't even mm -hmm. exist at the time yes it's like that becomes a problem yes <laughs> this is uh trying to uh you know you know build elements for a particular narrative and is not being careful and so all sorts of uh, you know unintended uh, consequences are now being uh, provided that are suggesting a th certain things are true when they're actually not yeah so this yeah. episode's kind of annoying you know <laughs> yeah we're supposed to default to the idea because we're supposed to be sort of skeeved out by it which is mm -hmm. a bad way to make these arguments yes uh, just yeah <laughs> skeeving vibes is not enough guys Mmm, potato famine. <laughs> Sorry, I still have a, you know, <laughs> an article open for that. <laughs> they fixed part of the part of the famines with sort of cloning. That's how they spread sweet potatoes everywhere. Hmm. Sweet potatoes. Sweet.
Oh, I actually have a friend who, uh, who's uh, taken to growing some potatoes recently. Uh, he has an apartment, uh, you know, in a building, like, you know, like a, you know, like a, I don't know, several stories tall uh, situation, but enough of a, a patio uh, balcony area to uh, have a little uh, potato farm up there. That's kind of cool. Well, that's nice. Uh, <laughs> he recently uh, actually harvested some and he's like, yeah, I also want to like actually have the flowers of the potato plant uh, do their thing a bit to uh, help uh, increase my potato genetic diversity so, you know, it can, you know, avoid uh, blight sort of problems uh, down the road by having a more uh, diverse set of uh, genomes in it. Hmm. Wait, this is already starting to sound again like something about the episode. Yeah, Weird. well, it's the same problem, really. The cloning isn't a thing in this in this kind of iteration that we're doing in this episode. We're not cloning people and animals all over the shop. Mm-hmm. But we are... Um, creating non-genetically diverse plant ecosystems uh, for our food, and it is a massive problem. Yes. Because a lot of our food (laughs) is, in fact, cloned. It's just way, way easier to clone propagate plants. It's something that we've been doing for years. It's Uh, like, uh, how do we get seedless grapes exactly if they have no seeds? Yeah. (laughs) Well. (laughs) So you, uh, you do this, like, clone propagation of a plant, you wind up with a massive number of food crops that are not genetically diverse, even a tiny bit. Mm-hmm. And you also put them in these weird monoculture environments that nothing lives well in. And then the minute anything goes wrong, the whole thing collapses in on itself. Yes. And uh, and then Monsanto's like, well, you shouldn't have bought it from us. Too bad. Um, also, you can only buy it from us. This well, contract. A lot of people know this one already, but like you know why uh, banana flavored candy tastes nothing like bananas, right? Uh, no, actually. All right, so that actually used to be what bananas tasted like. It was ah. a, another species of banana that was an incredibly popular fruit, and that was your default banana for a very long time. Um, that got infected by, I believe, a fungus that spread through that population because it was all grown in monocultures. Mm-hmm. It went almost completely extinct. It is no, basically impossible to cultivate now. There are some places where you can still get it. They, they didn't go completely extinct, but as a cultivated food crop, it's essentially gone. And mm-hmm. they got replaced with what we now think of as bananas, which are a completely different species of banana. So uh, one banana, two banana, your banana, gone banana. No, I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> <laughs> Which is an interesting one because now we are, a lot of places that are doing more sustainable style farming are introducing a mix of things because for mm-hmm. lots of human history, people did not use monoculture farming. Mm-hmm. The only reason to do monoculture farming is because it makes some of our current industrialized processes slightly easier to pull off. Yeah, it's like, oh, we just uh, drive the uh, machine through this, uh, you know, uh, field here, and uh, since this is the machine that picks corn, it picks all the corn, and everything else is just run over. But not only does it create a much healthier ecosystem and better plants, it's also way less work overall to do non-monoculture farming because most of the plants like interact in ways that help take care of themselves mm-hmm. and you get animals in there that weeds etc yes take care of some of your pest problems <laughs> i mean we won't have to spray as much chemicals on our crops that way yeah if you have your chickens running around your fields eating all the snails well then 
<laughs> sheep's eating weeds. So, so that might be a good thing, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, having a, uh, a a smarter way to farm is generally a good thing. Well, you know, you could have had that too, because now they're now they had this like perfect thing mixed in, where you're introducing a like farming society into this technologically advanced society. Mm-hmm. They they have no idea how they're going to mix. They could even do that. So like if you had if you had everyone pair up and then have have kids and then clone every single kid and then be careful with how you're pairing up people, you could wind up with a population of 2000 pretty easily. Yeah. In like one generation. And as long as you were a teeny bit careful who paired up with who, you wouldn't have to worry too much about your genetic diversity anymore. Indeed. You know, uh, have a, a, a do not hook up with list and then, you know, everything, everyone else fine, you know? Yeah. Basically, I think they uh, got something like that going on in Iceland because, you know, it's like 100,000 people, you know, semi-isolated area of the world, you know. Now, what they really need to start doing is cloning some of those cows and sheep and chickens because I only saw like six of them. Yes. (laughs) It's like, well, we don't necessarily care if our uh, cows, uh, you know, get get a bit uh, funky and as long as they're alive right because we're just going to be eating them right <laughs> hopefully this doesn't cause any weird genetic uh, defects that become poisonous for us i think overall this just really demonstrates um you should think out your comedy episodes a little bit more because if you don't you wind up commenting negatively on like you're, you're being weirdly old school racist uh, the stereotyping is definitely undermining your immigration message Mm-hmm. Um, and you've said some like weird backward things about bodily autonomy. Yes. And uh, unfortunately, Star Trek's going to uh, keep being a bit um, ham fisted on this particular fund because, you know, all you need is absurdity, right? And, and then that's funny, right? Yeah. You have no, to think about it. That's not how it, it works fine. at all. <laughs> oh, uh, by the way, uh, a slight note uh, this episode was the uh, final episode to air before the release of Star Trek V. Oh. That is kind so, of interesting. Uh, yeah, I wasn't yeah. paying too attention to the timeline there because we went out of chronological order. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's like, well, if you're a fan of Star Trek, it might have seemed pretty bleak around this point. <laughs> <laughs> like, gee, that episode wasn't very interesting. At least there's a new movie. Oh, <laughs> well, there were some interesting things in there, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, one thing that this episode definitely does have is no cat strippers. True. Meow anyway i think we've mined this quite a bit here mm-hmm. and uh we've only hit a few landmines long way yeah <laughs> landmines like white supremacy ah uh, once again it crops up it does because people are afraid to re- to examine it yes so it's like diversity oh we can't have that uh, other than the minimum way we're gonna just pick these two particular people and uh clone them but but not the uh, the guy with the disability. Oh, but yeah. Uh, I, I think my reaction to this episode is it kind of sucks. Yeah, a little bit. I always yeah. thought it was kind of funny when I was younger because I didn't know better. I do appreciate the scenes with Worf and that's kind of it. <laughs> uh, I also appreciate when Picard's like, oh, you just got about the absurd. It's like, yeah, Patrick Stewart here is like, yeah, this is really stupid, but okay i guess we're doing this <laughs> uh, it's also like three british actors making fun of the irish that's fun mm-hmm. so you know it happens i guess <sighs> hey it's probably time for us to move on to the slightly less depressing thing we like to do called the galaxy's favorite game show Woo! <laughs> 
Hey everybody, welcome back to the Galaxy's Favorite Game Show. I am not going to try to do an Irish accent because it would be terrible. Anyway, our various contestants have uh, been racking up some points here, and uh, some of them have been trying to duplicate their points, but that's not how this works here, guys. Um, anywho, it's time to start handing out some uh, prizes. The first one is the Evil Twin Prize, which goes to Riker, not his clone, for being the murder-prone twin in this case, while his clone has basically done nothing to, uh, to uh, warrant his execution. What does he win, Gepwin? Riker wins a shaving kit because just because you have a beard doesn't mean you don't also have an evil mustache. Indeed. Uh, so, uh, Riker, uh, yeah, you're, uh, you're going to be the evil clone from this point out, uh, just FYI, till you know, there's reason to doubt that. Anyway, our second uh, one is the Irrational Irish Stereotypes, which is not the first time we've handed out this prize, by the way, which goes to Daniel O'Dell and company for being exactly this. Uh, what do they win, Gapwin? They win the Riverdance DVDs, because, like, if that had been a thing yet, they totally would have just been, like, they would have walked into that cargo bay and they would have just been dancing in weird little circles all over the shop. You know, the, the not-moving-your-arms sort of dance thing and... Uh, Chippity-tap in this way and that. And uh, that's how we're going to go down the hallway, too, because why not? Oh, our final prize uh, we're going to be handing out here, because everything else is basically being disappointing, is the genre-savvy pride, which goes to Picard for realizing just how absurd Star Trek can be sometimes. What does he win, Gepwin? Picard wins more these kinds of, like, quick-thinking solutions. He could have taken care of this whole thing. If he'd just take a little more charge and go like, we're just going to take you from this planet to this planet. Everyone shut up. Mm -hmm. We're not going to, to, to mess around with this. Like Riker can have his sex scene so that we can establish him as the Kirk character. And then we're just moving on. Needs a little bit more of his captaining-ness in this one. Puts up with way too much silliness. Yes. Uh, well, you know, that way, uh, what stay, what happens to the ficus sector stays in the ficus se sector. That, that's a thing, right? Yeah. All right. Anyway, that's all I got, Gepwin, because I am tired of counting up these points for this episode, and anything else is just going to be disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. Feel free to take us away. So thank you all for joining us in this uh, travesty of Irish culture. We call the galaxy's favorite game show. even mentioned the Blarney Stone. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised. It's like one of the two things people know exist in Ireland. Yes, and, and like, there's there's some hills and mountains and stuff like that. And like, a road. And uh, a place called Dublin. Yeah. And, and that's most of what most people tend to know about Ireland. I know a few more things, but, you know, I'm not someone who's ever lived there and not really experienced the culture directly, so... Usually my uh, core experience uh, with, uh, you know, the, the Irish culture is the American bastardization of it, which is annoying. Mm. And watch that Netflix show. That's good. Yeah. Deals with this stuff. But uh, what do we got coming yeah, up next, next time? time? We have an episode that sounds like it would be cool. It sounds like mm. it's trying to be all edgy. Yes. Like, you know, we're, uh, we got, we got to track down like a, like a criminal or something like that. Yeah. Right? It's called Manhunt. Sounds like. An 80s action movie. It's like it's gonna the thing's gonna mm -hmm. appear with explosions. It's a manhunt. Yeah, there's gonna be someone like a Camaro, and they're gonna be uh, like jumping off stuff. Uh, but because it's a Star Trek, it's gonna be like either on the holodeck 
or someone's gotten really uh, you know in, uh, industrious in one of the cargo yeah. bays. Yeah, yeah you're just hunting all of the ships. Hey, so, so, there's there's a guy like hiding in weird obscure bits of the ship and evading authorities, and you have to decide whether you give him up to the unfair justice system of another world. Mm-hmm. But uh, we'll have that kind yeah, of episode. Yeah, what we got but... now is um, Luxana <laughs> Troy is horny. Ah, yes. But also there's some fish yeah. guys. Yeah. And that's kind of most of the episode. There's some fish recall. dudes. Um, there's mm-hmm. Luxana Troy. There's some holodeck shenanigans. Um, there's uh, Fleetwood Mac. Wait. Are, are we going to have a musical uh, no. number? They're there. Oh. Hmm. Well, that's still yeah. cool, I guess. The, the the Fleetwood dude, he's in the episode, just, you know, you're never going to know. <laughs> uh, the uh, Mick Fleetwood yes. specifically, yes. Yeah, Mr. Fleetwood. <laughs> I want to be in this episode. Well, uh, can you wear this? Um, is that a headpiece? Yes. <laughs> uh, have we have we demonstrated how little I know about Fleetwood Mac yet? <laughs> <laughs> They're a musical yeah. group. I know that. I know that bit. They they do something with music. I'm seeing a picture of a drum. Yes. <laughs> I'll uh, uh I'll link you to some uh, rock band and guitar hero uh, tracks. Oh, those I probably know. That... Yeah. <laughs> do, 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 do. I was all over that rock band. Was that three where you made your own? Like had to fight the devil or something. Uh, guitar there hero three. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, where you fought Lou, who's. Not totally not the devil, even though he is. <laughs> it's also uh, where you faced off against um, uh, Slash and uh, yeah. Tom Morello. That was a weird game. It's really yes. too bad that they they uh, iterated themselves out of business with that genre. Yeah. I, I still like uh, pulling out the plastic guitar sometimes and uh, going a few uh, few uh, chords in and uh, and then realize, oh, I spent three hours doing this. Yeah, they've got that, they've got that <laughs> website now. That like that one where people make their own rock band tracks. Hmm. Saw somebody talking about that I recently. <laughs> we we could have the uh, the the official unofficial Star Trek uh, Watches of Tomorrow uh, extravaganza uh, you know charts on there somewhere, Somewhere. right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Put up that bad version of of, the Beatles that we did for the one animated series episode. (laughs) Roll out for the mystery (laughs) tour. A little aside here. uh, I've had uh, a couple Beatles songs stuck in my head so much the last couple of days. It's been, it's kind of weird. So having that come back suddenly. (laughs) Captain, why are you in my brain? We're not going to have anything interesting to... uh discuss really in the next one so oh oh so i should uh put the, put off the, uh, the paranoia yeah. until they got it yeah look Lux- Luxana's yeah. back she's she's fun she's always fun because uh michelle mm-hmm. barrett just has a great time coming in and doing whatever the hell she wants in these episodes but uh, yes <laughs> as far as as far as meaty substance her her trying to like inappropriately go after a bunch of guys is a weird thing to hang an episode on Yes, but uh, weirdly re- uh, related to a recent Lower Decks yeah. episode. Anyway, that's all I got. Yeah, it, you know, put put Lower Decks in it so that someone can SEO the can SEO us and get mad later. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah, yay! Next time on Watchers of Tomorrow, time to get super married. You 
have been listening to Watchers of Tomorrow, a podcast on science fiction media. Find and follow Watchers of Tomorrow on Podbean, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Spreader, Digital Podcast, and perhaps many more to come. If you enjoy our podcast, make sure to subscribe for more. And where possible, make sure to rate your experience or leave us a review. You may find Gepwin on youtube.com slash Gepwin and Twitter at Gepwin. You may find me, Dr. Isix, on youtube.com slash Dr. Isix and Twitter at IsixLP. Music is Waveform and Maury's Principle, both by DRKRN. You can also check out the Watchers of Tomorrow Discord channel. Make sure to share the experience with your friends, family, enemies, and alien overlords. If you feel you are suffering from transporter syndrome, please be aware the next time you step off the transporter that you, that is now, no longer exists. <laughs> <laughs>